Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Amen. Grab your notes. We are in week three of this series called Forces That Form Your Future. And uh, if you haven't called up, I'd love to have you catch up online the last two weeks. I don't have time to teach all of that stuff to you again, but we are uh, in this series about partnering with God to arrive at the will of God in our life. You and I can get to what I'm calling a predictable future, a place in your year that you don't have to guess, am I going to arrive at God's best for my life? Am I going to arrive at God's best in our marriage? Are we going to arrive at God's best in my spiritual life? Let me say it to you this way. You'll have the best year of your life if you have the best year spiritually. Say amen to that. You'll have the best year of your life. The reason, why am I challenging you to come this final week of 21 days of prayer every day? Because I know you'll have the best year of your life if you have the best year spiritually in your life. It's a predictable future that you can have. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to think, well, I I wonder if I do this, will that happen? No, I can tell you it's going to happen. If you eat less, here's what I've learned. I'm I'm certainly not a picture of health, but I can tell you this. After 43 years, I've figured this out. It probably is diet and exercise. Right? Probably. I mean, I'm still, I'm a little unsure, but, but it's most likely what I put in my mouth and how you move your body. Are y'all with me, everybody? It could be my genetics. I mean, they make me short, but they don't make me round. <laughs> Oreos make me round, everybody. It's, there's a predictability to it. Are you with me on that, everybody? And there's a predictability in your life if you'll partner with God and what we've called these forces that form your Future. Now, there's some stuff that belongs to God and God alone. We talked about that. They're the secret things that belong to God. But there's some things that God has revealed to us, and we're accountable to those things. And they're wisdom. And it's a, wisdom, by the way, is just the, is applied knowledge. It's doing what I know what to do. There's a lot of things I know to do. That's knowledge. Wisdom is when you apply the stuff that you know, and I want you to live that kind of life. I want you to have the best year you've ever had. And so I'm teaching you what I think are nine forces that God would use to shape your future and help you arrive at success and prosperity and the blessing of God and the favor of God over every area of your life. So last week, if you weren't here, uh, I taught you the first two. There are nine. Uh, there may be more, but I've identified nine of them. I taught you two last week. I'm going to do everything I can to give you three this week and get there quickly because uh, I know where we're headed over the next couple of weeks, and I want to I help you. But last week we uh, taught the force of a seed sown, that when you sow seed, you can expect harvest, and that everything may not be a sin, but every deed is a seed. Say amen to that. It's a seed, then you will get harvest from it. And then we talked about the force of a belief. If you believe it wrong, if you learn it wrong, you'll live it wrong. But the good news is you can change your belief. Are you ready for these three uh, today? Are you ready, everybody? All right, take good notes. Uh, all Christians take notes in church. So uh, here's the first one today. I want to give you the force of a thought. The force of your thoughts. The force, uh, I'm grouping three of them together because I think they're different. They're different, but I think they're similar. And the first one is the force of what you 
think, the force of what you think. I've heard it said that you are what you eat. Right, so I'm an Oreo, not a double stuffed. I'm just a normal stuffed Oreo, everybody, but you are what you eat. I would like to, over the last couple of days, I've been gumbo. Are y'all with me on that, everybody? It's soup weather. This is my kind of weather. And anyway, that you, you, but I want to, I don't know that you are what you eat, but I do think it's true that you are what you think. That you are what you think. Let me say it this way. You are whatever you consume. So if you can, there's a wave right now of true crime, murder mystery, boogeyman around every corner, podcasts and movies. They're everywhere and and that's okay. I'm not not here to tell you any of that stuff's wrong. I'm just here to tell you if you consume all of that stuff day in and day out, fear is going to come out of your, you're going to see boogeyman's around every corner. Write it down like this. I didn't put it on the screen, but if you put garbage in, garbage comes out. Are you with me on that? If if you listen to sexually explicit lyrics in the car with your 10-year-old, don't be surprised when your 14-year-old has a lust problem. Because I am what I consume. If you listen, if you follow on social media all these negative pseudo-Christian psychology wannabe Facebook preachers that aren't submitted to anybody, don't have a church or a pastor, don't be surprised when negativity comes out of your life because you're filling your heart with negativity. Are y'all with me over there? You are what you are where you are today because your thoughts brought you there, and you will be where you are tomorrow because your thoughts bring you there. Let me say it better like this. Write it down in your notes like this. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Your thought life is a force that will form your future. If you think it, you will be it. It, Everything in your life, every action, every deed, every conversation, everything comes out of your mouth, everything your hands find to do, everything in your life starts in your mind. And your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I like to say it like this, that thoughts are like hungry teenagers in your mind. Now, I don't have teenagers yet. I have uh, a preteen and a little boy. And the little boy, I don't know if this is true for everybody's little boy, but it doesn't matter the age. They just eat a bunch. Is that right, everybody? And I remember I have a little brother. There's just two of us, and we're, uh, there were you know, just two boys, uh, mom and dad. And I remember when we got to teenage life, uh, mom would cook a meal, and then we'd have the other stuff that we filled up with. Are y'all with me on that? It, there'd be cereal, or there'd be, a, there'd be a meal, and then there'd be a casserole you ate with the meal just to get full. Are y'all with me on that? And I, I like to think of your thoughts like hungry teenagers. They're in your mind, and they're never satisfied. Listen to me. They're never satisfied, and they're constantly growing, and it depends on which thought you decide to feed at, at, depending on what grows. What expands? There's two lions in your mind. There's faith and there's fear, and whichever one you feed grows. There's doubt. You can doubt everything. You can doubt God's word. You can doubt preaching. You can doubt Christianity. You can doubt your faith. You can doubt if you doubt, if you have doubt and you feed doubt in your mind. Guess what grows? Doubt. Or you can trust. 
You, you say, well, that's just gullible, Pastor. No, that's just trusting. You can decide to trust God today. You can decide to trust God's Word today. You can decide to trust the promises of God over your life today. It depends on which one you feed. You can have confidence or you can feed worry. Anybody know worry warts in your life? Don't Probably don't raise your hand because that'll worry them. They'll get worried. People think they're worriers. If you feed worry. Let me tell you, the worst thing you can do if you're a worry wart is have Google anywhere near you. You with me on that? You ever had a sharp pain and Google it and realize you've just got a day or two to live? I knew it. I knew I was dying. I felt like this. my leg was rotting off. I felt like it was. I had this pain in my leg. I'm losing my leg. This is my last day to walk. Let's go outside. This is all I'll ever have. You can feed that. Are y'all with me on this? And you end up in this loop of worry. And Where does it start? Not in your leg. It starts in your mind. It's the thoughts you feed. It's the thought that you feed. You can have anxiety. You know what the opposite of anxiety is? Prayer. The New Testament said, Don't be anxious about anything, but with everything in prayer and thanksgiving... You make your petitions known to God. The opposite, if you want to fight anxiety in your life, it is not faith. The opposite of anxiety in your life is prayer. By the way, let me teach you something right here. Prayer is therapy you don't have to pay for. Now, we have some good Christian psychologists and Christian therapists in our church, and I love you, and I'm thankful for you, and I recommend people go to it. Everybody, I got a counselor. You need a counselor. Everybody at some point in your life may need to sit down with a professional and pour out your heart. But God, it's free. It's not $125 an hour to come here at 6 in the morning and pour your heart out to God. Prayer is therapy you're not paying for. You can even lay on the chairs like laying on their couch if you want to and just pour your heart out to God. It, it, it'll help you with anxiety. I promise you this. You'll get up tomorrow at 7 o'clock after prayer and you won't be as anxious as you were when you went to prayer because you feed that. You can have depression. I'm not talking about clinical depression, but the feelings of darkness and depression or you can choose joy. I've decided to choose joy in my life. That mean everything going well? No. That just means I've decided to feed joy in my mind. You can feed positive things or negative things in your mind. You can be stingy and hold everything you've got, or you can be generous. You can be suspicious. You ever know you know suspicious people? They always just squint at everything, everybody. Some of y'all squinting out there right now. I don't even know about you. Oh, red britches. I don't even know what you're doing. (laughs) Or you can be trusting. Write it down like this. The thoughts you feed grow. The thoughts you fight fade. The thoughts you feed grow, and the thoughts you fight fade. Let's just make up our minds. If we're going to have the best year of our life, we're going to have the best thought life. We're going to fix our minds. We're going to fix our thoughts. We're, you, can have, you cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. It's impossible. I'll say it better like this. You will not have a positive marriage with a negative mind. You won't have a positive job experience, career, not with a negative mind. 
You can't show up tomorrow morning negative thoughts about, I hate this job, I hate this place, I hate this office, I hate this boss, I hate everybody that comes here, I hate the people I work with, I hate how much I make, I hate how much I don't make, I hate everything about it, but I got to go because I got to eat. So I'm going to work today, but I'm not going to like anything about it. Guess what kind of experience you're going to have on your job? That has, it has nothing to do with your paycheck, has nothing to do with your office, or anything to do with your boss. It has to do with your mind. Because the thoughts you feed start growing in your mind. And the thoughts you fight begin to fade. You can change your life if you'll change your thoughts. Because your life is following your thoughts. You can have a predictable future of blessing and favor and the will of God in your life and happiness and joy. It comes when you fix your mind. What, what's this? Philippians. If you have your Bibles, Philippians 4 and 8. Philippians 4 and 8. It's the joy book of the New Testament. Paul writes it in a Roman prison, and he says this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. I love, I love how he closes this whole book in this one final thing. Everybody say these next three words. One final thing. What? That wasn't everybody. Look on the screen. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Look at me. You can fix your thoughts. You can fix your thoughts. You can fix. You don't have to think about everything you think about. You don't have to always have, uh, the, the, old, the old proverb says, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent it from building a nest in your hair. You don't have to think everything you think. You don't have to fixate on everything that comes through your mind. You can fix your thoughts. And when you fix your thoughts, fix them on this. Fix them on stuff that's true. Fix it on things that's honorable. Start thinking about things that are right and things that are pure and things that are lovely and things that are admirable. Think about things that are what? Excellent. You can fix your thoughts on excellent things and worthy of praise things. You can fix your thoughts. And if you'll fix your thoughts, you will fix your life. It's the force of a thought. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So this year, if you want a predictable future of joy and the blessing of God. You got to fix your thoughts. You got to decide. I'm not going to get up tomorrow with negativity. I'm not getting up. I'm not Googling everything in my, that, that's wrong with me. I've decided I'm going to fix my thoughts. I'm not going to let depression get the best of me. I'm going to get out of bed and put on real pants. Real pants. Not, not pajama pants. I'm not even going to go to HEB in pajama pants. I'm going to put on clothes. Come on, somebody. If you're a female, put on makeup. If you're a male, Comb your hair. Get it right. Just get, brush your teeth. Get up out of that bed. I, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not talking about clinical. I'm not talking about stuff you got physical. I'm not talking about if you need medicine. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just saying I'm going to fix my thoughts in the morning. I'm going to decide I am a morning person. I can give up sugar or coffee. I can fast. I am spiritual. I can pray for an hour. I've decided to fix my... I am going to have a good marriage come hell or high water. I'm going to raise world-changing kids. I, you know what I prayed this morning? I prayed for my two children about 6 o'clock this morning. I told God. I told the devil and I told the Lord, we're going to have the best teenage years that we've ever had. I'm going to raise godly teenagers that don't wander from the faith, that love Jesus, that are serving God, that win their friends. They're not going to struggle. They're not going to rebel. I've just decided to fix my thoughts. Now, I could worry about it, stress about it, or I could fix my thoughts. I've decided to fix my thoughts. It's the force of a thought. Say amen to that. Here's the second thing. I'm going to give you, again, I think these group together, 
it's the force of feelings. It's the force of feelings. So we've got the force of a seed sown, the force of a belief, the force of your thoughts. Here's the fourth one, the force of feelings. Feelings are different than thoughts. Feelings are different than thoughts. Feelings are the emotions of our life. And everybody loves the good feelings. Come on, everybody. I like when it feels good. I hate when I don't feel right. And to be honest with you, we fake a lot of feelings that we really don't feel, you know. You can fix your feelings. I think if there was one countercultural thing I could preach to you, at least in where we currently are in the state of our culture, it would be this. That you can fix your feelings. You can, the force of your feelings will determine the outcome of your life. Let me say it this way the number one predictor of success in your life is your ability to control your emotions. Did you hear that? Because that's big and bold, and you can hold me to this and write this down. The number one predictor for success in your life is your emotional well being, it is your ability. To handle hard things, difficult news, pressure, disappointment, conflict, things that don't go the way you ought to, things that don't go the way you think they ought to go, misunderstandings, uh, 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 unmet expectation. Your ability to have emotional strength and fortitude and handle your feelings is the number one, I think the number one predictor of success in the majority of your life. Because we live in a culture that tells you whatever you feel is true. If you feel it, it's true. Now, let me, let, me, let me say it to you like this. You may feel it, but it doesn't make it true. So it, it may actually be happening to you, but it doesn't make what you feel true. And all emotions aren't bad. Jesus had emotions. He's God in the flesh. Somebody did a study. I was studying for this message and. Somebody studied that Jesus in the New Testament, they identified 39, at least 39 different emotions that Jesus felt in the New Testament. I didn't know there were 39 emotions. Come on, men. We, <laughs> we got two. You know, I'm happy, mad. That's all I got, you know. And Jesus, somebody identified, I didn't know there were 39, but I had a little girl. Now there's, there's 39. Trust me. <laughs> I, met, I met most of them yesterday. Anyway. You get married, you'll figure it out. <laughs> Jesus looks over Jerusalem and, and the people have rejected God. And the Bible says he grieved. It's an emotion. The religious leaders, the Pharisees care more about rules than they do people. And Jesus gets angry. It's an emotion. Uh, 72 disciples uh, describe, they come back and describe how God's used them. And Jesus is overjoyed. He's full of joy and happiness. Lazarus dies. It's his friend. And the Bible says Jesus wept. He has sadness in his life. Before he goes to the cross, he's at the Garden of Gethsemane. He's discouraged. He's lonely. He's in agony. He, he, experiencing emotions is not sin. Having emotional... Listen to me. It's not a sin to struggle emotionally. I don't want you to hear that from me. I'm not casting a condemnation on you to struggle emotionally. It's not a sin to struggle emotionally. It's not a sin to struggle with your feelings. But it can become sin, listen to me, if you hide it from God and you hide it from other people. That's when it becomes sin. It, your, our feelings can take us to dark places when we hide them from God and when we hide them from other people. 
when you have jacked up feelings, when you've got wayward feelings, when your emotions are all over the place, let me give you the worst advice people give you. When you're trying to decide what to do and trying to decide how to respond and what do I do at my job and what do I do with, with, with my marriage and what do I do in this relationship and what do I do with this friendship and what do I do with my career, the worst thing is when somebody tells you, well, just follow your heart. What's your heart telling you to do? Look at me. That's the worst possible thing you could do when your feelings are all messed up. But we have a culture that tells you, follow your feelings. Don't, if, I, if you followed your feelings, most of us would be in jail by noon. Come on, somebody. If I, I, last night, Brandy and I had an appointment. We had to be on the, on the east side, or, or Stone Oak, not, not the east side of San Antonio, but I've lived in Bernie long enough. Stone Oak is the east side of San Antonio. <laughs> Dear Jesus. We had to be in Stone Oak. And I got to I-10 in 1604. Listen to me. If I'd have followed my feelings, I wouldn't be here today. Brother would have been in jail. Y'all have read about me last night, heard about me. On, on Ken's 5, y'all have heard, pastor loses his ever-loving mind. In traffic. You don't follow your feelings. I'm not controlled by my feelings. I control my feelings. I'm not controlled by my emotions. I control my emotions. You don't, the worst thing, Thing you could possibly do when you feel messed up is follow your heart. Your feelings, your emotions are in your heart, and your emotions, your mind, your will, they make up your soul. I don't have time to teach you this, but you're triune in your being. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. You're a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. You are not a, a physical being having a spiritual experience every Sunday. You're a spirit being that has a physical experience while you're on the earth. Are you with me on that, everybody? I don't have time to teach you all of that. But your soul is triune as well. It is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your heart will, it will, it will let you down. You have to lead and feed your soul. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The human heart, watch this, is the most deceitful of all things. I didn't say that. God's Word said. I didn't say your heart was the most deceitful thing. God said, your feelings, my heart, my emotions, are, it's the most misleading, misguiding, deceitful thing in all of the world. And it is desperately wicked. It will want to kill people on I-10 and 1604 who don't know how to merge. It's wicked. Are you with me, everybody? It's wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Nobody. You can't trust your feelings. You can't follow your feelings. You are not your emotions. Now, your emotions are real, but they're not necessarily true. Do you understand the difference in that? You actually are feeling them. That doesn't make them true. Your feelings don't get to lead you. They don't get to control you. You can talk to your feelings. Let me give you a great piece of advice. you got to learn how to talk to yourself. Not in a cuckoo kind of way, but in a 
You got to learn how to. David said he encouraged himself in the Lord. That means David stood up one morning, got in front of the mirror and said, you're going to make it today. God's on your side today. You're the man God called you to be today. You're not your feelings. You're not a failure. You're not a mess up. You can do hard things. You got to talk to your feelings. You're not the boss of me. My emotions don't get the best of me. My temper doesn't. I don't throw a tantrum. I don't decide if I don't get my way, I quit. Take my ball and go home. No, my emotions are not in charge of me. It's the force of your feelings. And if you'll control your feelings, you'll control your destiny. (laughs) That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 29 and 11, a fool, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. A fool says everything that comes out of their heart. A fool lets their emotions take over. A fool loses his temper on his little kids. A fool cusses out her husband because he didn't do what she thought. A fool can't get along with his co-workers because of insecurity. And a fool won't work on a team and won't be a team player. A fool gives... I just, whatever I feel, I let it out. A fool, the Bible says, gives full vent to his spirit. But a wise man learns how to control his spirit. You learn how to rule your spirit. Don't give in to everything you feel. Control your spirit and it will form your future. Do you receive it? Say amen. 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 It's the force of your thoughts. It's the force of your feelings. Let me give you this last one. I've grouped these together today. Again, I think they go together. I think they have... Some power of interworking your thoughts. If I think the wrong things, it informs my feelings. If I feel the wrong things, here's the last one. It's the force of your words. It's the force of your words. It's the force of what comes out of your mouth. It's the force of what, what you say. I, I, I told you this a few weeks ago, but the devil doesn't know your thoughts. He only knows your words. And so some, some of us are giving the devil ideas he never thought of as on his, on his own. You're confessing some stuff. You're saying some stuff. The devil thought, I didn't know that you were even dealing with that. I didn't even know that was in your heart. devil doesn't know your heart. He's not God. But because of what comes out of your mouth, it's amazing the, the, the power that... You, the, Proverbs says it like this, Proverbs 18, 21... The tongue, your mouth, your words has the power of, what's this, life and death. You can kill things with your words. You can kill your marriage. You may not, look, look at me. You may never sleep around. But you can kill your marriage with what you say. You can kill your kids. You would never physically harm them. You'd never hit them. You'd never punch them in the face. But the way you talk to them, it's life and death. The tongue has the power to create life, and it has the power to take away life. Some of you have been in relationships that words took away life. I call them relational vampires, you know. They suck the life out of you. Just, just takes away. Some of us 
The Bible says those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you'll get whatever it is that you say. You'll eat the fruit of what it is that comes out of your mouth. God created the entire world by His Word, and you and I are created in the image of God, and so we can create things with our words. Your word, I like to say it this way, we create our world by our words. It's the force of words in your life. The truth of the matter is the loudest voice you hear is the one inside. It's the self-talk, right? It's what you tell yourself. It's never going to change. It's what you say to you. You believe and experience the world through the lens of the words you speak. You you experience the world through the lens of the words that you speak. Um, This is never going to change. You're right. Um, I, I'm, I'm never going to get over this. You're right. I'll never have that. You, you won't. Um, this is hard. We teach our children. We don't in, in the Rose household. We don't say this is hard. Everything's hard. Buckle up, Buttercup. The whole world's hard. But the more you talk about how hard it is, guess what? The harder it gets. Because you're creating the heart. You're creating the world. This will never end. Look at me. You keep saying that, you'll eventually give up. I'll always be this way. You keep saying that long enough, you'll always be that way. That, This is just who I am. I'm just, this is just, I'm too old to change. Keep saying it. You'll be too old to change. My relationship will always be, it'll always be that way. Uh, Write it down like this. Your confession is your possession. What it is that comes out of your mouth is the, you'll eat the fruit thereof. That's what the Bible said. This isn't, this isn't some name it, claim it, prosperity gospel stuff. This is Bible stuff. The Bible says, if you love the fruit of it, you will eat the fruit thereof. Whatever comes out of your mouth, you'll eat the fruit thereof. Your, whatever you confess is the life that you have. So if it's true that you say, I'll never, and you won't, and I can't, and you don't, and this is hard, and it gets harder, and this will never end, and you give, if that's true, then if you change your words, you can change your life. Am I right about that, everybody? If if the negative effectors are true, so are the positives. You can create a different world in your life. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. That's just that's just self that's psycho No, it's not. The, (laughs) The Bible says. That the tongue has the power of life and death. I'm not telling you that you can change your husband today if you go home and start talking different. But I can tell you over time, there's a force multiplier. You'll create a whole different marriage if you'll learn to talk about your spouse differently. I'm not telling you you'll change your job tomorrow. You're going to go in, it's going to be the same office, going to be the same boss, going to have the same problems, going to be the same politics. But if you'll walk in and your confession is different, it's amazing what will happen. Over time in your life, you'll create a different reality. You can create with your words life. Life. It's happening right now to a dream team, a wonderful dream team couple in our church, who as I'm preaching this message live, 
are at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. I don't have to tell you why they're at MD. You know why. And every single time I talk to him, laying in a hospital bed at MD Anderson, he says, God can do it. I'm going to make it. God's on my side. God's a healer. I have no regrets. I'm going to get through this. God loves me. I've done everything God gave me to do. Your confession will create. Does that mean God's obligated to change the circumstance? No. But it does mean my experience is different through that circumstance. You can smile your way through. Worship your way through. you You can decide in your life. I will speak life into this situation and not death in this situation. You can change. You need to have some daily declarations in your life. You need to, I I challenge you. This week I'd love to see at prayer. That's my first challenge. I'd love to see everybody in this service at prayer at 6 o'clock in the morning. My second is, you get up and you have some daily declarations. Can I read you my daily declarations? Can I tell you what you ought to say? Jesus is first in my life. You look in that mirror and say, Jesus is first in my life. I exist today to serve and glorify Jesus. Look in that mirror and say, I love my wife. Unless you're a woman. I love my husband. And I will lay down my life to serve my spouse. Imagine what happens in your marriage if you quit saying, I'm married to the dumbest man in the world. I married the worst woman possible. If you get up tomorrow and declare, I love my wife, I'll lay down my life to serve her. My children, this is my declaration. My children, Hazel and Henry, will love God. They will serve Him with their whole hearts. I will nurture them, equip them, train them, and empower them to do more for God's kingdom than they could possibly imagine in their own minds. I love people. I have to tell myself that. (laughs) Can I confess as your pastor? I have to get up and tell myself, I not y'all, but I love second service. (laughs) I love people. I believe the best about people. I am disciplined. Look at your... Christ in me is stronger than the desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus today. And because of Jesus, my family is healed. My body is stronger. My faith is deeper. And my leadership is sharper. Tomorrow, I will get up and I will look at myself in the mirror before I meet you at prayer. And I will say, I am anointed. I am empowered. I am equipped. I am called to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. I am creative. I am innovative. I am driven. I am focused. I am blessed beyond measure because the Holy Ghost dwells within me. I develop leaders. It's not something I do. It's who I am. My words, my thoughts, my imaginations are under the power of Jesus Christ. I today take all of my thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. This morning, I woke up with purpose and direction and meaning in every part of my life. 
Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering because Jesus suffered for me and it grows me. I bring my best today. It's when I bring my best and what I bring after my best that makes the difference. And today, the world will be better because I serve Jesus Christ today. That's a, I've decided with my words to create my world. Now listen to me. Most of that's not true yet. But I'm going to get up tomorrow and say it again. Get up the next day and say it again. And you'll create the world that you speak. It's the, it's the force. It's the force of what comes in your mind, your heart, and your mouth. My thoughts, my feelings, my words. You receive the word of the Lord today over your heart. You receive that. You can change your life with what you think, what you feel. Stand up. Let me pray for you all over the house. You can change your life. You can partner with God. Bow your heads all over the house. I just want to know who I'm praying for in this service. If you're here today and you think, Pastor, one or all of those are me. I need to change my thoughts. I'm, I'm, there's a battle in my mind and I got to fix my thoughts if you're in church today and you think this is my feelings my emotions that got the best of me and I'm being led by my emotions instead of leading my emotions my feelings or, or maybe it's your word your confession what you say your word if that's you I just want to know who I'm praying for would you just raise your hand and say that's me include me hands up all over I see you keep your hand up hands up all over the place. Now, I can't pray for you, so would you just ask God? You know what your hand means. Would you just ask the Lord, Father, here's where I am. God, here's what I'm dealing with. God, this is the area of my life. In my life, God, it's it's my thoughts. It's my emotions. It's my words. It's what comes out of my mouth. It's what comes into my heart. It's what comes into my mind. And so today, I submit my mind to you. Come on, if that's you, just submit and surrender your mind to the Lord. I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. God, I just pray today for a pure mind. I pray for a pure mind. God, I think about lovely things, pure things, praiseworthy things, excellent things. I fix my thoughts today on things above and not things below. God, I pray for my emotions, my heart today. I submit and surrender my will to God. I will not be led by my feelings. I will lead my feelings. I will not be led by my emotions. I will not have an emotional outburst. I will not have insecurity. I will not let fear and worry and anxiety take over in my life. I will be spirit-led. My emotions will not control me. God, I submit my mouth to you today. Help me to speak life. Let no corrupt conversation come out of me. Only what's edifying. Only things that build up and not tear down. God, help me to create with my mouth the blessing of God, the peace of God, the favor of God. If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. And then our team will give you some next steps about what it means to follow Jesus. But if you're far from God today and ready to come home, maybe you're ready to rededicate your life to Christ. Never given your heart to God, or maybe you just want to rededicate today. Wherever you fall in that, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'll pray along. Maybe these words are some words you can grab a hold of. Everybody, you pray it along with you. Say, Lord Jesus, 
I give you my whole heart today. I give you my mind. I give you my mouth. I give you my desires, my emotions, my sin, my heartbreak. I give you my hopes and dreams. You have access to all of me. Now here's the part you got to pray from the depths of your soul. Say, forgive me, Jesus. I repent. I turn from sin. And I turn to you. Thank you for dying for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Save me today. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Why don't you give God praise all over the house for his word. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.